1: Welcome to the RotoWire DFS podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined by Benny Ricciardi as we spotlight the Friday practice reports and Thursday GPP ownership percentages for NFL's Week 6 action. You can always find Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at RotoCurve, RotoWire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings playbook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Josh Hayes FS and find me hosting the Daily Slant DFS show and writing for ProFootballFocus.com. The Rotowire DFS podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you get a chance to rate and review us, please go ahead and do so, and don't forget to share and subscribe. Benny, what's going on, my man?
2: Uh, not much. <clears throat> Basically, just been sitting here and watching the uh, craziness going on on Twitter between you know Nevada no longer offering DFS games, and Florida limiting their stuff, and people getting sued for being apex predators, and I don't even know what that term means, but... <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time right now in DFS, but uh, regardless of that, it's still the, the action is still going strong, unless you're a Nevada resident for the most part. So uh, the good news for me is, uh, you know, I want to move anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now I got even more reason to do so. We've been actually sort of trying to plan that in in the works and um, getting get a little bit closer to it every day. And now I have an additional reason for me to just. Get, pack up my U-haul and you know get over to California. So um, we're gonna get that in the works, but let's go ahead and uh, get into the Friday practice reports here uh for nfl action oh really quickly also always want to let you know that the rotowire dfs podcast is available on itunes and stitcher so if you get a chance to rate and review us please go ahead and do so and don't forget to share and subscribe all right um biggest news piece of news here coming through the wire just uh that you just mentioned here from jeff jeff dickerson on twitter martell sat out friday practice with a quad injury and is now questionable for weeks since, uh, against the lions so looks like he's going to be a uh fade for the most part uh i i did like him i did like the fact that he got double digit targets and I, I like him more with alshon jeffrey out of the lineup and alshon jeffrey may be jumping back into the lineup now that's another questionable tag but um looks like he's been the closest he's been in three weeks and potentially uh, returning so uh all the more reason to probably just get off the the Martellus Bennett um you know bandwagon for week six do you agree
2: yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I was actually just reading. There, there's a lot of news coming out right now. Like as we're going live, uh, Isaiah Crowell was just announced as questionable too. So I was just looking up Duke Johnson's numbers while you were uh, while you were talking about the Bennett situation. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff that's going on. A lot of a lot of injury news that's popping up. Forsett just got announced. Uh, you know, as a guy who's practicing today too. Basically, the entire Buffalo Bills team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it, back at practice. I mean, this this stuff's coming pretty hot and heavy right now.
1: Right. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts here. Denard Robinson has been listed as probable for for week six. Uh, Alan Hearns has been battling an- ankle injury. He's listed as probable for Texans. Deion Lewis uh, participate, participated in a portion of Friday's practice that was open to the media. He came down with an abdomen injury, but that was listed as, um, you know, not a big deal, not too much of a concern. Coach Chuck Pagano and uh, owner Jim Ursay have said that there's a good chance that Luck um, will play Sunday against the Patriots. So uh, Matt Jones says uh, is it officially questionable for the Jets, um, the running back for the Redskins, with a toe injury. Uh, Demaryius Thomas returned to practice on Friday. He had a, a bit of a neck issue. Uh, Deshaun Jackson has practiced every day this week, uh, though he did leave practice early on Thursday um, after you know reporting a twinge. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was back out there on, on Friday uh so there's that possibility that affects people who are looking at jameson crowder and pierre garcon uh Reed Reed still is in concussion protocol has been ruled out for week six sammy watkin uh has a calf injury so that's questionable but he has been practicing in full all week Tyrod taylor i don't understand how, why he's being listed as questionable i think this is sort of gamesmanship with rex ryan and nobody's really buying it everybody knows that he's closer to doubtful and they keep saying no he doesn't have a mid-range mcl and yes he's he might play. No, he's not going to play. It's going to be E.J. Manuel for the most part. I, you could see that he was uh, limping pretty well, and I think you, you would have saw a, a lot, much more practice participation if that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question for you here is, Lashawn McCoy, now listed as probable for week six, I don't know if I really want to get involved with Michelle McCoy against the, the Cincinnati Bengals with uh, the E.J. Manuel experience at the helm for, for week six. So how are you treating this, Benny?
2: Yeah, I... I don't think I'm going to have any shares of him, to be honest. I mean, I don't think he's 100%. And I also have a little thing that, you know, I mean, it might just be me personally. I don't have any statistical numbers to really back this up. But I don't like playing running backs when the backup quarterback is in. Mm -hmm. It just seems to me like teams decide, well, we're going to dare that guy to throw and we're going to stack the box. I mean, we saw it with Forte when Clawson was in there. You know, his numbers took a big hit in those two games until – Cutler came back. In the NFL, you really need to be a balanced offense. You really need to be able to throw and pass. Otherwise, teams are just going to concentrate on stopping one or the other. And, um, you know, whenever you have a backup quarterback in there, that's the way I feel. And I'm not buying the argument that everyone's making that, oh, E.J. Manuel looked great in the preseason. Yeah, that that's awesome. You know, there's a whole bunch of guys who are – bag of groceries right now that looked good in the preseason yeah. it's a, it's a completely different situation than yep. you know regular season NFL football so mm-hmm. I'm going to stay away from McCoy there's just too many question marks to me
1: yeah just ask Kellen Moore Kellen Moore has been nothing but um efficient and effective for the most part in the preseason he's still out there on the street so, And I would actually be more optimistic about Kellen Moore starting than E.J. Manuel, to be honest with you. Uh, update some more injury news here. Jericho Cotri is probable with an ankle injury for the Seahawks. Luke Keekley is also probable coming off of concussion protocol. That's more bad news for Marshawn Lynch, to which to me, I don't know about you, Benny, he's also a fade for me coming off the injury and coming off being just terrible every week that he was in the lineup with, like I don't know, what, three yards maybe a carry so far. You fading Lynch? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I would not. I would not pay up for Lynch this week. Um, they're also already talking about him being limited. Um, they're like, yeah, he's gonna play, but you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna rush him back to his full workload. And anytime you have a guy who you're paying up for, and you hear stuff like that, it's just better not to use him because you know, yeah, he'll probably play. Yeah, he might have a decent game, but more likely than not, he's gonna see less carries than he usually does, which is probably gonna mean less fantasy points and. You know, for a guy, you have to pay up for. You really can't take a low number on your roster.
1: Yeah, against an uninfinity team with a solid defense too. Don't yeah, mm-hmm. that that factors in. not. Uh, it does help that they're home, but it hasn't really mattered for a production standpoint from Lynch for 2015. Uh, Justin Forsett has returned to practice on Friday with an ankle, so that pours a little bit of cold water on the whole Buck Allen, you know, potential thing. But you know, I guess it's worth, still worth stashing. But we'll see if he can make it through this next game against San Francisco with complete health uh, before uh, we do anything else. I'll probably. Uh, potentially fade him as well. Theo Riddick uh, did not practice on Friday. He was limited Thursday, so it doesn't look like he's in, is seriously in doubt. Uh, Amir Dula should get the Lions share of the work and maybe make Zach Center as an interesting third down option, but I probably won't have shares either because the Lions have been so terrible all around. Yeah.
2: Uh, is, um, isn't Joique Bell coming back this week too? Uh, did he practice? I didn't check, but uh, even if yeah, Bell... Yeah, I'm pretty sure he... I'm pretty sure he was in that practice yesterday too. Okay. I don't think he's going to take over the starting role, but it's just more it like just muddies the water. Yeah. yeah. It just muddies the water more cuz they're all going to get a couple carries and Yeah. That's just a horrible situation. Ab- I agree. I'm staying away.
1: Abdullah should be a guy that you could you could feel good about because the price tag is down and and he has the ability. But it's sort of the same situation where Carlos Hyde was getting killed production-wise by a terrible Colin Kaepernick. You just knew that there was no threat to the passing game, so they just stacked up the box and made him completely ineffective. The same thing is happening to Amir Abdullah now. No one, no one, they don't even feel like they need to like consistently double Calvin Calvin Johnson because Matthew Stafford can't get him the ball. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marquis Lee with a hamstring has been ruled out for week six. T.J. Olden's listen is questionable, but hasn't practiced. Uh, this is interesting here. Ruben Randall has been upgraded to full practice on Friday. So that pulls some cold water on the whole Dwayne Harris, uh, potential issue. But Odell Beckham Jr. did not practice on Friday and, uh, he has been working on the side. So there's a good chance that he might end up being scratched. And then if that happens, then maybe it's, uh, Dwayne Harris who replaces Odell Beckham Jr. rather than Ruben Randall like we originally thought. So, um... And that's going to wrap it up for the majority of the uh, practice participation and injury report updates for Friday. And uh, before we get into the ownership percentages here for week six, following the Thursday GPP action, I want to let you know that if you're staring at your weekly fantasy opponent and thinking to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players but not his entire team, but your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to, well, now you can with the all-new No Halftime app. The no halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Odell Beckham Jr. vs. Megatron, LeBron <laughs> vs. Melo, Trout vs. A-Rod. Uh, creating a challenge can take seconds and accepting challenges is even easier. So no halftime challenges can be private or public and created for NFL nba major league baseball hockey college football college basketball and other sports join today and get started real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you visit no half no for more information and download the no halftime app from your iphone and android device you'll receive a bonus by entering the promo code rotowire at sign up no halftime where the fantasy sports season never takes a break all right benny let's go ahead and dive deep into the ownership percentages is here for week six and start the quarterback position. we mentioned this to each other sort of in the pre-show here. So surprised that uh, Tom Brady comes in here at just 18.5% on this week?
2: Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, to be honest, I think that's probably about where he should be, though. Um, if you look at his chances to be the highest scoring quarterback on the week, you figure that you know he's probably about a one in uh, you know one in five chance in sixteen games of the regular season. You probably see him as the high scoring quarterback on three or four weeks. So I think around twenty percent is pretty much a uh, you know a situation where I think Brady should be. So at that ownership, I think if you like him, you'd probably want to put him on you know more than twenty percent of the total amount of rosters you have. And if you don't like him, I think it's very easy to just say, well, I'm going to fade them all together at 20% because you'll still get some upside. So I think it's a, a good a good percentage owned where, you know, there's something you can do on each side. If you're a big fan of him this week, you put him on half your rosters, you're probably going to have, uh, you know, more than the field does and get a good upside if he does have a big game and if you don't think he's gonna have a big game you don't put him on any of your rosters and you're still knocking out 20 percent of the field if uh he does underperform so i think it's a good spot for him i think it's about where i would have uh you know would would have thought he would be i thought he might be a little bit higher owned but um based on the odds that's probably about where it should be
1: all right fair enough i think it's a, a smart uh play to just Sort of have some exposure, whether it's cash gains or GPPs, of both. I feel like you can you can roll them in both spots and and, and make a strong case for it, uh, based on that. Having said that, I feel like the ownership percentage is probably as we you know go further into the week, it's going to climb above the twenties when you see more action pour in because you know Thursday slates generally are, are played uh, a little bit lighter than than the weekend. So we'll see how that 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 ends up shaking out. Now, Andy Dalton at fifteen point seven percent. Are you surprised by this at all? I think it makes sense and I love the play personally um but i was a little bit surprised to see him as number 2 overall were you as well
2: yeah i didn't think he was going to be that high although i do actually have him on some of my thursday um gpp rosters i mean he's basically the highest scoring not basically he is the highest scoring fantasy quarterback to this point of the year um and his price still stays pretty low i mean it's 7600 over on fandle this week his price on draftkings this week is actually 5700 so it's even cheaper yeah. So I would even expect him to be higher owned on DraftKings, where you can get, you know, again the guy who has the most fantasy points on a year is like, you know, quarterback nineteen or you know seventeen or nineteen over on DraftKings this week, which doesn't make much sense to me. Um, but again, it's a it's a tough matchup against Buffalo. But the thing that I like about this matchup for him is Buffalo's run defense is so good that teams wind up with fifteen to twenty five percent more pass attempts than their average against the Buffalo Bills, because the only way that you can really move the ball against Buffalo is through the air. So even though they do have <clears throat> a pretty solid pass defense, teams do choose to attack them through the air because you have more success doing that than you do with the run. So I think it's still a good spot for Dalton. And, I mean, I've used him a bunch this year, and he's uh, he hasn't disappointed me yet. So I think I'm still going to have some shares of him. Um, obviously, at 16%, though, I don't think I'm going to roll him heavily as my uh, big upside quarterback this weekend
1: yeah i feel the same way about that there it's just too good of a situation <laughs> to pass up but I, I don't think I've like he's like my top exposure guy, in yeah. terms of you know what I want to do at the quarterback position here. Uh, so just for reference' sake, 11, Matt Ryan came in at 11.5%. Uh, so if those of you who played the you know there's the GPPs, you don't have to worry about him having a performance that probably puts you out out of contention for the top spot. So he just had an average performance, not a great performance. Same thing for Drew Brees that came in at five percent. Uh, who else in this list stands out as potential? Uh, you know. Uh, cash for gpp plays either can you make it first of all can you make a case for anybody else in cash besides anybody that we mentioned and then who else do you like on this list
2: um yeah i mean i think there's a couple other guys you know i really like carson palmer this week against pittsburgh and i like seeing that he was only six percent owned in this uh secondary is not all that great so i think that palmer is somebody that definitely will be in some of my gpp rosters Again, I think I'd rather use Dalton, who's like $500, $400 cheaper. So I don't know if I would use him in cash. Um, I guess you can use Aaron Rodgers in cash. At home, he's been a monster. But, you know, do you really want to pay that price when you put Rodgers next to Brady? I still think I'd rather have shares of Brady. So I don't know if, uh, you know, I'd like to use him in cash in a tournament. You know, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, anytime you can put him in your roster at only 5% is going to be in play. So he could be somebody... Um, for cash, I don't see many, but there are a couple guys that stand out a little bit as uh, tournament plays. Um, guy like Blake Bortles, who's supposed to be in this week, uh, he had a big, uh, big game last week. Um, you know, if you think that that Houston game is going to be high scoring, that Houston Jacksonville game, people are expecting a hot pace because Houston runs so many plays. So maybe even Brian Hoyer. Um, Eli, Sam Bradford, in that Monday night game, it's got a a high total over there. They're both guys that you can look at. I think I prefer Bradford a little more than Eli, Um, and Bradford is 2% owned too. But like I said, the only two guys that were high owned this week um, were really Brady and Dalton. So all these other guys that we're mentioning, I mean, Palmer was 6%, and everybody else is is below 5% owned. So if there's a quarterback that you really like that, isn't named Tom Brady, Andy Dalton, or, you know, Carson Palmer, Aaron Rodgers, there's a good chance you're going to get that guy at, you know, pretty low ownership, 5% or less.
1: Yeah, I, I you, it sounds like to me once you, yeah, you go outside of, you know, the I guess Blake Bortles would be the cutoff at 4.8% or, or, you know, Aaron Rodgers at 53 everybody can make a case all the way down to Michael Vick even, which, I mean, I would never do personally. No,
2: no But,
1: yeah, Andrew Luck at 0. .5% is just... I don't. I, I wish I could be a little bit more interested. I want to be more interested about it, and I think that just like, on, you know, based on the fact that they'll be behind, there's there's a, a lot of volume to be had. Uh, from that perspective, I want to have a share, but the price is pretty cost prohibitive. Uh, overall, it's not like you're taking a GPP flyer on, on, you know, Teddy Bridgewater or Colin Kaepernick at you know seventy three hundred. You have to, to pay, you know, like uh, eighty six hundred on on FanDuel. So it's it's tough. But uh, aside from that, uh, I think, like you said, you can make a case for a lot of guys in, in that middle tier. I, I, do, I am interested in Colin Kaepernick this week because I think he has a, a good shot as a dual threat. And Brian Ahoyer, the guy I've been uh, plugging all week long, so I'm going to continue to stick with him and with a D. Hopkins stack here in Week 6. Mm-hmm. All right, running back position here. Uh, not, no surprise coming off the Thursday slate, Devontae Freeman would just own everywhere and anywhere. The good news is we don't have to sweat that anymore because he's off the slate for the Sunday um, you know matchups here. Now let's talk about who some of your top plays that you s- see happening and you're interested here based on these ownership percentages.
2: Yeah, the first thing I want to make sure everybody understands is you have to take all these ownership percentages this week with a little bit of a grain of salt because this tournament that we're looking at, you had 55% ownership on Devonta Freeman. Right. So you look down and say, oh, this guy was only 4% owned or 5% owned. You gotta figure that each one of these guys is gonna have a
1: larger you know, share.
2: Yeah, fifty to sixty percent bump in their ownership percentage, because you don't have Freeman dominating the field here. Um, you know, the next highest owned guy was uh, Dion Lewis from the Patriots, and it, it actually surprised me a little bit yesterday because he was a little bit more questionable yesterday. Today, it looks more like he's gonna play. But he was 20% owned, was the second-highest-owned running back. So I think I'm going to be looking to kind of stay away from him this week. Um, The next highest-owned guy was Chris Ivory from the Jets. And, again, the Jets are at home. They're favored. Uh, Ivory's been getting a ton of carries. But Washington's also been pretty solid against the run. So, you know, it's not the greatest spot in the world for Ivory. I still like him basically just on volume. Um, but I could definitely see how people wouldn't be on him. And he was 14% owned here. So you got to figure he might creep up to about 20% owned when you get into it on uh, you know, on Sunday. Um, you had Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell there 10%, 8.5%. Matt Forte was 9%. Um, so that's about where you would expect all those guys to be. The good thing is if you have a strong feeling of one of the running backs, one of the expensive running backs this week, whether it's Peterson or Bell, or Foster or uh, Forte, they're all about eight to ten percent owned. So if you have a strong feeling on any of them, you know it's very easy to plug that guy in. If you think he's going to outscore the other three or four in that group, and you know again, none of them are so highly owned. <clears throat> you know it's not like we have Le'Veon Bell last week at like twenty seven percent. You know they're basically splitting the money up in that area, the four of those guys. So if you have one that you like, you can roll them in there, and you'll probably get a lot of upside out of it. Um, there's a bunch of guys that are like 5% or below that'll probably be closer to like 8 to 10% on Saturday. I got to be honest, I don't really have strong feelings for a lot of these cheap running backs this week. Um, looking at the list, you got guys like, uh, let's see here, you got guys like uh, Charcantric West at 5%. Um, you know, Forsett is 1.7% here, but Remember, he was also injured, and not a lot of people knew what his status was going to be for this weekend. So he's a guy that I think you're going to see higher ownership on once you get to the weekend, if there is some announcement or some positive news, um, especially without Talia Farrow being available now. you got to figure you know, he's got a better chance of maybe seeing some goal line work along with the you know, obnoxious amount of carries that he can get. Uh, so he's somebody that I might be interested in. And the guy who we spoke about yesterday, really cheap price and – Very surprised to see how low-owned he was, was Lamar Miller, who was only 2% owned in this field. Um, Again, I like him more than I like a guy like Charkantrick West, who I have no idea what I could get out of him. Uh, Lamar Miller is not in a timeshare with anybody. I mean, he's the number one back, and with the new coach... You know, everyone is thinking they're going to be running it a little bit more. And, you know, we might actually see him get more than 15 uh, touches a game, which seemed to be his limit with the old coach for some reason, no matter how effective he was. So I think Lamar Miller definitely makes for an interesting tournament play and somebody that I'm going to have some exposure to at the low side of the ownership spectrum.
1: I think it makes a ton of sense uh, overall. With We talked about how much we like Lamar Miller there. Um, I mean, I'm still in on Ronnie Hillman at 6,400 versus – uh, Cleveland, we talked about that uh, on a previous show, so that's something else to keep in mind. Uh, Lashawn McCoy, for those of you who feel like gambling, 7K on Fandle, so there, I think there's some opportunity there, but I, I, I'm not... Particularly uh, interested in him and get, uh, in, in Cincinnati, so I'll, I'm going to take a, a, a wait and see approach there. I don't mind p- people who want to potentially gamble on Juke Johnson for 5,900 because the Browns have been doing a good job finding uh, different ways to get him the ball, and he's and with Isaiah Crowell injured now he's set for all the carries and the touches in the backfield. Actually, it looks like Robert Turbin is going to be the guy who sort of plays Isaiah Crowell's change of pace and get that you know maybe earn that 60-40 split role. So we'll see a little bit of him probably in week six, but it's just such a, uh, it's not, you know, negative matchup overall for, uh, the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns so if Duke Johnson does damage. He probably, you know, ends up finding mismatches in, in the passing game and, and, uh, makes his hay there. So, um, I also the, sort of like the fact that Carlos Hyde is, is only 2.9% owned. He's still middle price. So th- here's the thing too, is like when, if you start going down all the way down to, to like, to fish for bargains, like the, you know, uh, the Duke Johnsons, the uh, Denard Robinsons, the Chuck Hendrick West, and that the fact, that, so these guys here in the middle, like the Carlos Hydes, who are seven K, who you know are close enough to the top tier pricing, but also have the job to themselves and have been previously protected. Those are the guys who end up getting forgotten, there as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people always want to go all the way down to find like the best bargain play, at you know near minimum salary, and so the guys like you know Car- the the Carlos Hides. Uh, you know, uh, Mark Inger was a good example for the Thursday night game. Uh, who have a chance to be, you know, you know, productive there in the middle. I think are actually less sexy for one reason uh, uh, of another because they're not considered a top option and they're not considered cheap. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll make a case for Carlos Hyde for for 7K on Fanduel uh, this week. I think we've so sort of covered, you know, a couple of different ways. Um, by the way, uh, dion Lewis, I, I'm going to have like over 60% exposure to. Are you are you with me here for week six?
2: I am actually not. I am um, probably going to be staying away from Deion Lewis, really? to be perfectly honest with you. Really? I might even completely fade him. Wow. Yeah, and here's here's the reasoning behind it. Um, I don't. I mean, everyone's basically talking about how New England always attacks Indianapolis on the ground, and I'm not really completely buying into that, which is why I think LeGarrette Blunt being like seven percent owned here is a little silly. Um, I'm really feeling that the two of them are both going to get some work. I have a feeling that Deion Lewis will start the game. He will get most of the work in the first half, obviously all the passing down stuff. Um, and that he could have a solid game. And then I feel like LeGarrette Blunt's going to come in in the end because Deion Lewis is a little banged up too. And, you know, the Patriots love this kid. They want to have him around for the whole season. So I'm feeling like LeGarrette Blunt will come in and kind of finish this game off with, uh, you know, some of those runs late in the game that have been so successful against this Indianapolis team. And at 20% ownership, at the highest percent ownership already, and think about it, you know, you got Freeman at 55%. So you got to figure, you know, everyone's going to get probably a 50% bump at least in their ownership. You could see Deion Lewis in like the 30 35% range. Wow, and I just don't give him a one in three chance of being the top scoring running back on the week.
1: Okay, fair enough. Those it's fair analysis, but for me, I don't know if he gets to thirty percent. I would be so su- I wouldn't be surprised if all he gets, you know, until uh, you know, well over twenty plus. But having said that, here, you know, I'm not too worried about what ha- necessarily happens, like is- in terms of like pounding against uh, Indianapolis on the ground because their secondary is backed-, backed up and people have been able to throw on them. Plus, you have to remember too, uh, we got revenge game going here, so I don't feel like they need to just like pound like the fourth quarter. I think they actually want to just score as many times as possible if they can win by 10 touchdowns they will so and you've got Dion lewis who is you know, it, to me he's the number three wide receiver it's Gronk, mm. julian edelman and Dion lewis are the top three passing ups eight receptions for 59 and a score we saw him put that sick sick move for a touchdown against dallas five for 30 nine targets six catches for 98 yards against buffalo you know so he's been he's had no less than four receptions in every single game th- th- this season. So that that's uh, you know even if they just they do decide to get some of the ground game, ground game going with the Garrett Blunt, he's very safe. I think he's one of the most safe and consistent. And the fifteen hundred DraftKings uh, fifteen hundred dollar price tag on DraftKings, it's just too much value for me to pass up. So
2: yeah, I I do like him more on DraftKings than Fanduel. I mean, we're looking at the the Fanduel ownership percentage here. Right. Um, at seventy two on Fanduel, I wouldn't use them. DraftKings, I like him a lot better with the full PPR.
1: All right, fair enough. Makes some sense. Um, anybody else that we need to cover before we flip over to wide receivers?
2: Uh, not really. I mean, like I said, you know, the, the the guys, the high-priced guys there are all kind of splitting ownership. So whichever one of them you like, you know, you're getting about the same ownership percentage on AP or Bell or Foster or, or, or Forte. Um, really what it's going to come down to is if you can find a good, cheap guy that you want to put in. And like I said, the guy I've been using a lot is Lamar Miller because um, his price is basically the same as, uh, you know, Chuck Kendrick West, who's the guy who's taking more of the, you know, more of the money that's been coming in so far. So Miller's the guy who I've been, uh, you know, linking them with, and I think that's the the situation I'd like. I will have more for set, it turns out that he is going to play and he's good. Um, and I also like your Ronnie Hillman call of, you know, he's going to play and, and we're expecting him to get the lion's share to the carries, because you could run against Cleveland, you know, I know you're a Cleveland fan, so I won't say too many bad things no, about No, dude, dude, trust me. They've I, been I, run against.
1: <laughs> I, Ronnie Hillman all day. the, the, if the Cleveland Browns are going to suck, they're going to make me money. That's all, what I always say. So uh, that's why I, I approach it. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. If it's a good play, it's a good play, regardless of, of who it is. I'll, yeah. I, just because I'm crying in the corner on Sunday doesn't make it a bad play.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm a Jets fan, so I've had the same thought for the last 20 years of my life. So I know how you feel. <laughs> there you go. All right, wide receivers
1: here. Who you got for cash and GPPs?
2: okay um well ownership wise you got Edelman at 35 percent you got uh, DeAndre Hopkins at 33 percent, Larry Fitzgerald and Alan Robinson at like twenty two percent James Jones at 15 Brandon Marshall at 11, AJ Green at 12. So those are the guys that are in double digit percent ownership um, I like Edelman and I like Hopkins as do apparently everybody else this weekend so, for cash, yeah, I'm rolling probably both of those guys if I can in most of my rosters. I know I have them both on my roster on DraftKings for my cash game. I don't know if I have them both on my roster for FanDuel. I think I had a little problem fitting them in money-wise, so I had to come down. Um, the guy who I came down from one of them too was actually Fitzgerald, who's the third highest owned guy. Again, I like him uh, apparently a lot more for cash now than I do for GPPs at 22% ownership. Allen Robinson was a little surprising for me. I do like him this week. He was somebody else that I was putting in some rosters. I did not think his ownership was going to be up at 20%, though. So that's something that I'd have to really consider using him in a, in a tournament again this week. His price is still pretty cheap. Um, he's like a whole step below a lot of the other guys who you know we have been mentioning or who we normally mention on a weekly basis. On uh, FanDuel, he's 6700 I think he's 59 on DraftKings, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know he's a little bit cheaper than the other guys who are in like the high 6 to low 7 range. So you do get a discount for using him. So he's somebody that I'd have to think about. I don't like the high ownership, but I do like the discount on him, so he might still be worth it. Uh, James Jones, another guy. Um, to me, he's kind of touchdown dependent, 15% ownership. I don't know how much I'll use him. I love Brandon Marshall at 11%, though. Um, It might just be my bias as a Jets fan, but he's got 100 yards in three straight games. He's been getting some red zone looks, some touchdowns, averaging about seven catches. So of the high-owned guys, I think Brandon Marshall is somebody I'm going to have on a lot of my tournament teams and even in some of my cash game rosters. We talked about his matchup against Culliver the other day. Um, He's definitely, definitely somebody who I'm going to have a lot of exposure to this week. And that kind of sums it up for the high-owned guys. The only guy I didn't really mention was A.J. Green who, if you look at his numbers, it looks like he didn't have a great game. But remember, he had that 70-yard touchdown pass that got called back, too. So if you add that to the stats that he did have the other day, you know, he would have had a pretty big game as well. So I don't think that, uh, you know, recency biased is going to have a lot of people on him. But he's another guy that I think could have a pretty big game against that uh, Buffalo team with Cincinnati having to throw it a lot.
1: Yeah, I think it makes um, um, some sense for me in some of those spots, but... Uh, I think it's going to be like some. I think there's a, a good chance that there's going to be a good situation where they just turn over the ball on a consistent basis, there where there's going to be a lot of short fields and just be like, you know, all right, but, you know, Cincinnati starts with their ball on the 25, uh, in yeah. the, you know, and throw it up to A.J. Green, throw it up to Marvin Jones. I, I wrote up Marvin Jones and. Um, what do you call it? My, uh, pro football focus article too, as a potential option. Cause I just think it's, this is going to be a double digit, uh, you know, performance in terms of how much they win by for the Cincinnati Bengals this week against EJ. So I'm mm-hmm. in, in there, you know, interesting t- uh, thing to note here too. Odell Beckham jr. Just 2.3% owned. Nobody really wants to pay up. So, and the practice reports don't look great, but if he doesn't end, uh, make it into the game, I might want to share. I've had a share every single week and I kind of want to keep that going. Cause I feel like there's some breakout potential too. And if you have the Pepto Bismol, uh, available and ready in your medicine cabinet here. Antonio Brown at 1.4% ownership. Listen, I know that he hasn't been good. I know he's playing with Michael Vick, but if there is a game that he potentially busts out, or if Ben Roethlisberger some by some miracle ends up playing, I will get in. He's still one of the best, uh, you know, receivers in the game and he you can make uh, a case for him even with Michael Vick just because it's such low ownership and we know uh wh- what he's capable of do i have much faith in in, in Tony brown getting his act together with uh with michael vick against the arizona cardinals no i do not but i love the fact that uh you're you have him in that spot with which everybody is off him and for for the most part for good reason so it's you you what you have here is the best wide receiver in the game potentially as a gpp contrarian play so um, that's just not going to happen, you know, for much longer once Ben Roethlisberger gets into the lineup. So, mm-hmm. I, like I said, you need the Pepto Bismol to make that play. But
2: and and if Roethlisberger does play this weekend, believe me, there are not a lot of people who people have their lineup set really, so they're not going to be running to, to get him in there. Right. If I find that Roethlisberger is playing, I will be running to get him in there because yeah. mm-hmm. he will be lower owned than he should be with a with the quarterback that can actually get him the ball.
1: Right. And so you you have some of these, you know, red zone target guys that you can take a couple shots on for cheap there as well. Um, I believe Martavis Bryant he is practicing and playing this week. Is that does that sound correct to you, Benny? Yeah, that
2: is um that is the you know, impression I was under. They said last week that he had some stuff going on, mm-hmm. which I mean you've been sitting out for a month. What the hell do you have going on that he could have handled while you were sitting out not playing for a month? I know. Is- um but yeah, supposedly he's supposed to be back. I I mean, he actually fits better with Michael Vick with the long ball situation. Um, not that Ben can't throw a deep too. I mean, they both can, but I think it, it kind of fits what, uh, you know, Vick's skill set is a little bit better. But I don't think I would use him. Um, again, if, you know, you're basically hoping for a long bomb in order to pay it off. So if anything, it's going to be like a punt play if you can find them cheap on some site that, you know, has them near mid price, whatever site you guys are playing on, uh, you know, come this weekend.
1: Yeah. So I, I think that just, um, it's going to be, uh, sort of interesting. A lot of people on pro football focus have been writing up time on for 5,800 on Fando as a potential option there as well, given the matchup he has. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm okay with that play. I'm not as excited as others, uh, about it. I prefer James Jones for the cornerback matchup, but, mm-hmm. um, it could be some opportunity there. You you it never surprises me, a fan. You know, given uh, w- what Green Bay has done to opposing teams in San Diego, rolling and who's been pretty bad overall on the road, can um, make some sense in your lineup. So I probably won't have too many shares, to be honest with you. But I uh, just wanted to make that of note because that information is out there for people who are pretty credible in the industry who are who are on them. And you know, there's a lot better writers than me at Pro Football Focus. So I I tend to try to like you know, at least take their you know information under consideration when I see things like that. Um, The last guy I really want to mention here, too, uh, Doral Beckham Green. There's another home run play out there, and we are talking about guys that you need to sort of cash in a little bit. Good red zone target. I think has potential option um uh, you know uh, ability to to score some points and that's what i think what you sort of need because i think kendall wright matched up against those corners in miami and we know miami has been playing bad but they still have um some pretty capable guys on the outside you need uh like a big red zone threat who can you know just go up and, and win a jump ball sometimes and doriel beckham green if you read the, the the pro football focus draft kit you could see that um he was heavily featured uh, or you know one of the guys in terms of you know seeds by speed size combo that fits that profile that uh, you should be interested in so something else to to, uh, to take into account there all right uh tight end position here um a little surprise well maybe i shouldn't be surprised because of you know thigh master getting it done once again here uh for the first uh you know through the first five weeks of the season gary bonner pops up at seven percent robert grounds County at 10.9 how are you approaching tight end this week
2: all right well i mean kind of like we spoke about earlier in the week when we talked about tight ends the pricing came out on Sunday night. Antonio Gates didn't do what he did until Monday. 5,500 on FanDuel, 4,600 on DraftKings. He's very, very highly owned. He was 35% in these tournaments. So, um, if you're playing in a tournament, I think you got to kind of fade Antonio Gates this week. Find another way to get it done because so many people are building Antonio Gates rosters that, you know, if you can use a different price point at at tight ends. It'll give you completely different roster construction than everybody else. And at 35%, I'm basically fading almost anybody in a, in a tournament on FanDuel. So Gates is somebody I'm going to be fading. I'm not as high on Eifert at 15% as a lot of other people are. But Gronk at only 10% is now interesting mm-hmm. to me. You know, when Gronk is 25 30% owned and the highest priced guy, I try to go in a different direction. But... When you can get Gronk at only ten percent ownership, being the guy with the highest floor and the highest ceiling, he's somebody that I'm gonna have to look into for uh, you know a couple of my rosters. Try to figure out a way where I could fit him in, because again, it's gonna give you a different roster construction than most people have. Most people are going cheap at tight end and spending up for you know running back and wide receiver. If you spend up a tight end, you're gonna have to find some of those cheaper wide receiver or running backs to fit in your roster, and that's gonna give you guys that other people aren't really on um martellus bennett here with somebody who i really liked and now that i'm hearing that he's not going to play i still got some work i'm going to have to do at tight end uh at below gronkowski you basically got a whole bunch of guys that are two or three percent owned you got greg olson at three percent against seattle uh travis kelsey at three percent without jamal charles those guys are a little bit interesting uh richard rogers as long as aaron Rodgers is still his quarterback is in play I'm not a huge fan of Larry Donnell, but I've heard his name being mentioned. Uh, Delaney Walker, 1.6% is somebody I would use. Um, Just want to point out, even though he played last night, Benjamin Watson was only 0.8% owned last night. So the lucky few that had him got a big game out of him last night. Um, Charles Clay is uh, less than 1% owned here. So, you know, there's a lot of guys towards that bottom end that I'm going to have to look back at, but... I definitely think I'm going to want more Gronk on my tournament rosters with him being lower owned than I thought he would be. And I definitely think if you're playing in cash, just put Gates in there and move on. At the very least, you're going to get a block out of it because everybody else is using them too.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's... um a situation here where I you almost have to play gates in, in, in most cases for me in cash games and tournaments since they've you know like like we mentioned didn't raise the price there mm-hmm. and everybody else is a, a little bit more just you know roll the dice here at the craps table um, between some of these guys so I, I'm not too, I, I will have my shares of Gronk he's I think he's the safest play and I still feel like the Patriots are going to pour on a thousand points here in the in the matchup in the revenge, revenge game against Colts but it makes almost as much sense to me if not um you know a tie or a wash or even slightly more sense to take the discount and figure out what you can do optimally with your lineup with, with Gates I really have those shares of two martell spent was my third guy i was interested in because he had double digit targets back-to-back weeks and now he you you know you tell me that he's um you know banged up with the quad and i just want to sort of uh get off the train here so everybody else too and i i don't know did we already discover or talk about this about how why i you know believe gary bonnage is, is a fade for week six um did we discuss that at all in an earlier show I feel,
2: I feel like we talked about it a little bit on uh on tuesday when we did the tight ends but not not a ton so i'd be right. i'd be interested in hearing it as well so. okay
1: so here's my take all right first of all you've he's got one of the i think he's a, what a top five price here as, as it stands now because of the performances there i don't know how, mm-hmm. if they've uh if they've effectively raised it enough i'm, I'm going to research right now let's see here um yes uh no, I, well, actually, okay, not on Fandle. He's just outside the top five. So you're still getting some fair, fair value. He's $200 cheaper than Antonio Gates, as it looks like, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth priced overall. On Fandle, you take a look at the tight end price in there. Gary
2: Barnage. 57 on Fandle, right?
1: Yeah, so I think same slot, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So just outside the, the top five. Having said that, it's the Denver defense who leads the league in sacks and turnovers, okay? Josh McCown coming off a sprained ankle. Um, and they haven't really had a d- d- done a ton to effectively run the ball in any matchup this season, so it's going to be very tough for Cleveland to stay balanced, especially in a game where you know they are four and a half point uh, or four point underdogs. The only g- good news about it is Peyton Manning hasn't been terribly effective in the past game, so you don't have to worry about them getting completely one dimensional. Hopefully, in this matchup where it's a blowout situation, and they have to. In Josh McCown has to throw 50 plus times. He's had to th- throw 40, 50 plus times anyway in games that they've. Or winning or competitive in, so that's the issue that I have. And you know what? That uh, when you have the number one defense out there, you you have to sort of figure out that they're going to have to sort of scheme, um, you know, a little bit more for Barnard down the middlefield because that's where teams have been burning them. The only one the thing that you can say is that Joshua Count has been doing a great job of, you know, not blowing up one target from week to week because you know a couple of weeks it's Travis Benjamin who has a monster game. Two weeks ago, it's. Um, uh, Duke Johnson, who has the biggest game last week. Gary Barnage comes up with a with a crazy touchdown. So you can't exactly focus a key on on, on one guy. But if you take a look at the histor- historical, you know, stats for 2015. No one has burned Denver at the tight end position. The very best they ever did was Travis Kelsey and O'Shaughnessy, who had that one big splash pay on a busted coverage that went for 50 yards. That's the only way that like a tight end combo has approached anything close to 80 or 100 yards at the at the at the tight end position against Denver defensively. So. Um, I'm just not terribly optimistic that it's going to be a ton of scoring in this game, and I, I have questions about how effective McCown is going to to really be against the number one defense. So, when you have a, a spot like Antonio Gates, you know who's you know who's going to be a target monster, or you can you know just pay up for Rob Gronkowski, and you can slide into another some some other you know safer options like Kelsey or Eifert, where you don't have to face a top notch defense with you know uh, a ton of sack pressure. That's the way I I have it broken down. So. I guess that's what I'm saying is, I'm for the most. I don't think I'm going to be having any shares of Gary Barnage as, as much as I would like to. So, that's my analysis overall uh, there as well. We're going to do everybody a quick solid Benny and just say from the kicker position, for those of you who care. Robbie Gold, 10.9%. Josh Brown, 10.2%. Matt Bryant. Travis Coons, who has not missed a field goal all season, but it's still a fade for me overall because he's playing the number one defense. Tucker, Hauschka, Cosby, Santos. There's your top six, seven kickers. Do with the, do with that which would with uh, what you like the chop the cheapest kicker of that bunch is Travis Coons and I still probably won't play him in DFS. So,
2: well, and gold and gold too is four thousand five hundred. Oh, the
1: tide play. for it, yes. So yeah. top, you know, and that's probably what it is. Is they face uh, the D- 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 Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears um, playing, and the the price is is uh, cheaper than some of the other kickers that you have to use. All right, break it down from a defense perspective, Benny. Who should we <coughs> be? Um, you know, sticking our picket fence in the ground with here?
2: Well, I mean, we talked about the two defenses that are one and two in ownership this week, and that's the Denver Broncos at 25% and the New York Jets at 15%. So if those are the two defenses that you guys are using in your cash games, that seems to make a lot of sense to a lot of everybody else as well. Um, Those are actually the two defenses I have on the two different sites in my cash game. So, you know, that kind of makes me feel good. Now, for tournament plays, though, we want to try to get some upside and go away from what everybody else is doing. So there's a couple teams that interest me. Uh, You got the Green Bay Packers at only 6.6% in that matchup with San Diego. I didn't even realize it until I looked at their defensive numbers the other day. Their defensive numbers this year are very good, and they're even better at home. Um, So this is another team I think you can look at. They don't strike me as a team that's really somebody who gets a lot of turnovers, but Again, at only 6%, trying to go away from the chalk and looking for a spot where I can get a big score. Um, definitely somebody that I like. Arizona has a really ball-hawking defense, and Michael Vick should have thrown about three picks in that last game. He would laid some out there that, honestly, I don't know how they didn't get picked off and returned for six. So I think there's a chance that that could happen in this Arizona game. Uh, they're 6%. I like them as well. Uh, The other team who really stands out to me, though, and somebody who I'm going to have on a lot of my tournament rosters, is the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are at home. At home in two games so far this year, they've given up a total of 402 yards combined, not per game, combined, 402 yards. And they've only given up four points. And the reason it's four is they gave up a field goal. Then uh, they allowed uh, a—Russell Wilson, I think, got picked off for a touchdown, and they let them make the extra point. Those are the only four points that that defense has given up in eight quarters of football at home in in Seattle. So I really like the Seattle Seahawks here, and at only 3%, they're basically the same price as the Broncos, and everybody's paying up to take the Broncos on the road. I will gladly take Seattle at home and uh, feel pretty good about it going into this weekend.
1: Yeah, I I think that you've— You can maybe expand these things to th- to three or four guys uh, in terms of defensive options from last week as as um as opposed to this week so um cincinnati Bengals is obviously going to be a popular play with E. J. ej into the, into the lamp there i've found that i'm just that's been my go-to play because you get a little bit of a discount versus uh arizona i wouldn't even mind the patriots too um in that spot i wouldn't be surprised if they blow andrew andrew luck up and you know get it done on both sides of the ball won't be having shares of seattle as the most expensive team although i don't mind the play overall um i, I would just matter jump down a little bit to, to Cincinnati in that spot. And then um, Chicago Bears, as, as Renee and I both mentioned, as our sneaky home run play uh, as, um, you know, a team playing Detroit, and Detroit's quickly turning into, like, the Tampa Bay, uh, Jacksonville last year where it's like you just find Detroit on the schedule and, you know, and play that defense against them. So um, I'm, I'm with you with the majority of those plays sprinkled in with a couple extra, you know, potential options. All right, that is going to wrap it up for the Rotowire DFS podcast. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Don't forget you can check out and subscribe to the Rotowire DFS podcast on iTunes and Stitcher for your download convenience. Don't be sure to uh, to uh, subscribe, share with your friends, give us a rating. Uh, you can check out Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and send all your comments and complaints and questions to me at Josh HayesFS. Thanks for listening for everybody and good luck in all your Week 6 matchups.